Hey, everybody. This is Todd. This is Kathy. This is part two of the two-part interview we did with Dr. John Duffy. He wrote a book called Parenting the New Teen in the Age of Anxiety, a complete guide to your child's stress, depressed, expanded, and amazing adolescence. So if you haven't listened to part one, uh, go ahead and listen to that before you uh, listen to this second part. This is what we talk about in part two. Why it's important that if mom sees a therapist that... It's okay to share that with your kid. Yes. Um, identity traffic. If you don't know what that is, it's important that you know what it is. Uh, worlds collide. I play a clip from Seinfeld. We talk a lot about weed. And don't call it marijuana. Call it weed. Yeah. Don't call it pot either. Use the language that your kids use. Um, something called visco. Yeah. Visco's awesome. Um, labels and diagnosis. You talked to Dr. Duffy about that. I did. Uh, we talk about video games. and So for those of you who have kids who are playing Fortnite, this is the one for you. Yes. And then, um, you know, how to nurture what your kids show passion for. And John Duffy even talks about maybe your kid has passion for gaming or weed or Instagram. And how can you work with that rather work than work that? against it? Exactly. Be your ally. That's yep. what I get out of Duffy more than anything. I know. It's like, how can I... We want to be our kids' allies. I'm so glad he's going to be at our conference. We are conference, Zen Parenting Radio Conference 2020. It is February 28th and 29th, and our theme this year is There's More to the Story. Parenting gender leadership, we all follow the script we have been given, the story we've been told and that we tell ourselves. We carry these perceptions with us into our partnerships, into our parenting and our places of work, but there's so much more to life than that. So this conference is about empowering women, exploring healthy masculinity, and embracing our own authenticity because because the story is ours to rewrite. So here we go with John Duffy. Can I go back to one thing you said, Kathy? Um, so you talked about how your girls have um, their aunt who's in recovery. My son has an uncle and a grandfather um, who were both, you both had addiction problems. And what a lot of families that I know tend to do is they kind of look at like these passages. My, my brother uh, eventually took his own life. And what we tend to do is decide those are dark periods in our family's history. So we're not gonna, we're not gonna give our kids this context. This is gonna be upsetting to them. Um, and so we'll just, we'll tell them, you know, uh, grandpa was a butcher and everything was fine, <laughs> you know? And he, he died at 68 because, you know, he got sick. And right. we, we kind we of- leave out a lot we of We leave info. out like these, these crucial like components that feel altogether negative, but you can give your kids some context and that context gives them a little breathing space. It's not awful for them to hear. And even if it is, they want to know. They want to know like, okay, what's my deal? Because that's part of their deal. Like, you know, um, my son, when, when he found out, oh, grandpa was an alcoholic, Uncle Tom had addiction problems and some uh, self-esteem problems and eventually took his life. I, I kind of need to know that. I'm very upset to know that. I wish that weren't true, but... I get it, and I get why maybe you act the way you do, Dad, a little bit more. You know, everything starts to make a little bit more sense. But if you take all the pieces out of the family tree mm -hmm. that you feel like are dark spots, then your kid has – there's enough identity traffic. I use that that phrase in the book, not mine. It's the kids. Um, there's enough identity traffic as it is. And for kids to have that family tree identity to stand on as a foundation means a lot to them, yeah. you know, to take that away or pieces of it away leaves them scratching their heads like, why do I feel the way I do? They're, they're, it won't make sense. There will be this dissonance if they know. And they'll even sense like, I don't think I'm getting the whole story here. Like, you know, I can tell like, you know. Uh, uncles don't die at 34 for no reason. You know, <laughs> why are you not telling secrets. me the deal? Right. Yeah. Right. Family secrets are toxic. And that is, and this is always something I run into. And I know this can be a challenge, especially if we were raised in families with secrets, but it's, it's part of that unraveling and that unlearning and that peeling the onion that we have to do because our, we know we can talk about how those secrets affected us and how important it is. Like, there are parents who come to me who are maybe seeing a therapist and they'll be like, I don't want my kids to know I'm seeing a therapist. And I'm thinking to myself, that's like the best thing you could ever oh, tell your man. kid. Yes. But they want, they're still living under that. And, and again, we've talked, we've, we've touched on this a million times, the role of parent, which is have all the right answers, do all the right things. That role doesn't exist. We need to obliterate that in this time and space because maybe that worked. I don't even know if it, it worked never in previous works, generations. But we now we know better. Right. 
but now we know better. That's a good way to say it, Tat. And that we can say, I struggle with anxiety, depression. We have addiction in our family. These are things that we're dealing with, our own identity traffic. What a great word or two words, oh, by the way. I don't get that. What do you mean? I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't connect. Do you remember, do you remember I, when he talks about it in the book? I skipped it, it. Explain identity traffic. All right, so um, I was working with this girl and effectively I was saying, you know, like she was talking about all these elements of her life that kind of create different elements of stress. And I said, oh, it must be difficult to maintain a consistent sense of identity. And she said, you mean identities. Mm. I've got I've got to maintain different identities. I carry identity traffic okay. in my head. So I have an Instagram identity. I have a Snapchat identity. I have a sna- identity with my best friend and with my other friends and with my parents and with my teachers and my coaches and my boss. And the and, boys. And the boys. Yeah. And yes. Um, and, um, and it was such a brilliant phrase that I co-opted it immediately. And um, because I think all kids, and now that you mention it, Kathy, all of us parents have this identity traffic that we are struggling with as well. And part of our job is to help our kids fill in the blanks that we can for them, right? You know, like here's real life. And, um, and I, I want to just note something that you were saying a moment ago. I think, Todd, you, you pointed out, like, we're, uh, we thought it worked better in previous generations. Uh, a friend of mine pointed out, uh, he, he had read this manuscript, and he's like, you realize that you've written two books about parenting without talking about your family and how you were parented. Mm. And I'm like, yes, I threaded that needle very nicely, <laughs> didn't I? <laughs> but, you know, I think about my family and I thought, um, well, relative to what's going on now, my parents had the padding of not having to worry about some of the things that parents today have to worry about. And that's why we were all safely in our lanes. And he said, what are you talking about safely in your lanes? You're all anxious. One of you's dead. You yeah. know, yes. what, what, yes. what exactly was safe about your house growing up? And I was like, oh, oh I, lo- I, lo- I love your friend. I have no blind spots. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he held up a mirror to you. Right. Well, he held up a mirror. It was brilliant. And let me be a therapist for a second. Let me be a therapist with you guys about the, we tell stories about our life to make us feel good about the choices, directions, and the way things played out. We will, I mean, I I remember when I first got into therapy years ago, and it was it had to do with my family. And I remember I, they, she pointed out to me that I had my hands across my chest, and then I'm like, no, my everything in my family was exactly as it should have been. It all went the way it should be. And everything they say is still, you know, valid. And it, it's not about throwing your parents under the bus or like, you know, blaming your siblings. That's not it. It's about seeing it with our now fully, you know, engaged brain and realizing, wait, I'm not going to do that again in my, that was hurtful to me. One of my favorite quotes is be the person you didn't have when you were a child, be the person you needed. Mm. Right. I said that the negative and I mean it the positive, be the person you needed. And so we can't be that person unless we're clear about our own family history. But I will say, John, because I write too, yeah. I don't think we have to be so... We we can know that and write from that place without sharing everything with everybody. Definitely. Do you know what is... You know, that vulnerability, I feel like I share those things with people as... And I'm totally borrowing from Brene Brown, but who have earned the right to hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This isn't... I'm not going to write a book and be like, everybody hear it. Now, some people do that. And that's their that's their deal. And that's okay because they are ready for that. Yeah, and, right. and And I don't think that's something I need no, to do. No, it's a personality choice. Correct. Like, and so, like, I don't think it's bad that you didn't share it. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. No, and I, and I think you're right. You know, I, I, my best friend is a memoirist, and he needed to share his story to experience catharsis, you know, and that was part of his therapy in a way. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and I don't feel that need. I, I, I'm, so I'm because a little you've done it in real time because yes. I know you. And so it's not that you're unaware and you're like, no, don't touch that. You know, anytime a kid or an adult says, don't go there, mm. you know, that's exactly where you need oh, to go. Right. Yes. <laughs> but, but if we ask you a question, you're open, you're an open oh, book. Oh, I found out that your brother committed suicide very early on in our friendship. Yeah. So you, you, I don't think of you as a concealer. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, identity, what is it called? Identity what? Traffic. So this is my pop culturing example of it from Seinfeld. Oh, have you spoken to Elaine yet today? No, why? She called Susan last night. Oh, yeah, I know. How do you know? That was my idea. <laughs> Your idea? Yeah. 
What'd you do that for? She was looking for someone to go to the show with. Well, that was really a stupid thing. You know what's gonna happen now? Worlds collide. What? Yeah! <laughs> because this world is your sanctuary, and if that world comes in contact... Yes, it blows up! So if you know that, what did you tell Elaine for? I didn't know. Kramer told me about the worlds. You couldn't figure out the world's theory for yourself? It's just common sense. Anybody knows you gotta keep your worlds apart. Yeah, I guess I slipped up. But that doesn't exist anymore because Zuckerberg created Facebook. Exactly. Really? I mean, he said, Zuckerberg said, the reason I wanted to do Facebook is so we quit making our world separate. And now on Facebook, you can see that your friend from high school was best friends with your friend from work. Yeah. Like, it doesn't exist. Got it. The interconnectivity because of Facebook is Now, what internally, yeah, internally, I get we it. Can the metaphor it. remains. But right. socially, it's a lot harder to do that. But you can tell that's a 90s show. Yes. You can. Got it. There, there's a Twitter feed that is, um, it, it is current... Seinfeld plots were the show on today. Mm. And that one would probably read something like, uh, George experiences extreme identity traffic issues yeah. <laughs> as, a result of, totally. as a result of his Facebook profiling. Right. <laughs> so I had uh, more booze questions, but we're going to move to weed. Um, yeah, first man. thing is don't call it marijuana. You already we, talked, we talked about, about that. that. Get, get hip to the, what, what kids are talking about. And yeah. use, use their words because you'll see them a million miles away. So yep. I'll just let you jump in. What do you want parents to know about weed? Um, okay, so we all have these strong feelings about weed. We, um, we are coming at weed from a lot of parents, and this is just based on experience, from an old playbook that says weed is a drug um, weed should be in the margins. There are potheads out there and it's like kind of this good or bad situation. Um, you know, it's a good or bad drug and weed is such a part of the culture of our kids. It is, um, pervasive. I talked about juuling earlier. So vaping and juuling are these new delivery systems for nicotine and, and weed <laughs> and, um, and the, any taboo that ever existed with like rolling a blunt or carrying a bong around or something like that, that stuff's gone because the way you smoke nicotine looks almost the same as the way you smoke weed and the taboo affiliated with it among honor roll students is, is missing. It's gone. And so, um, it's important to open up a discussion about weed. Weed is in the culture and there is, I will ask kids, what percentage of your high school do you think smokes weed? Not just kids in therapy, kids I've, I, I know from our neighborhood or whatever. And, um, and they will typically say, well, well over 50%, but some say 80, you know what I mean? Like to smoke at least some. It's sometimes. just an insane number because it's, when I was growing up, it was always the exceptions. It felt like it was a fringe. It was a fringe. Well, and also on that note, because we've also asked my niece and nephew and my daughters this question, and we'll say, how many of your, um, how many of your friends or how many people in your class smoke? And they'll say, smoke what? Yep. Like, so yep. you need to be really clear. Cause, and, and I think in that kind of conversation, we were actually talking about cigarettes which again, no one really even, I mean, there are people who smoke cigarettes, but it's so easy to vape now that that's kind of, you know, everything is just, so it it's smoking weed is just as common yeah. as smoking nicotine or what would you say? Smoking cigarettes. What do we even call a jewel? Smoking what? Um, just smoking, just, smoking. just smoking, juuling, just juuling, juuling, juuling is yeah. a verb. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Straight or up vaping. a verb. Yeah. Vaping, yeah. juuling. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and first of all, it's highly concentrated. So this stuff is like typically liquid or um, wax and it's super concentrated. It's way more potent than it was when we were kids mm. by a lot, by 20 fold or more. Um, and kids, you can deliver it re relatively quickly. Relative to nicotine, weed has, uh, nicotine has more of a taboo than weed. Like some of my weed smokers would say, oh, I would never smoke Nick, which they call it, they call it Nick, you know, like the, um, never and smoke Why Nick. do they say that? Because of the addiction? Yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll kill you. Like, you know, <laughs> oh my God, this is that stuff will kill you, but weed, weed just chills you out. And, um, here's the thing about weed that I find. First of all, the, it's way more prevalent among boys, but that's shifting. More and more girls are smoking weed now because the delivery systems are 
attractive to girls, uh, just, just as attractive to girls as I other guys. They're a little sleeker. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I lost my train of thought here. Um, Let me ask you a question. Yeah. If you're vaping or juuling weed, does it smell like weed? No. No, it There's might smell. It might smell like nothing. It might smell like cotton candy or so watermelon. So weed can smell like yeah. cotton candy. Yep, yep. So they they can flavor weed and they oh can flavor God. tobacco. And you can start by vaping nothing but just vape juice. Mm-hmm. You know. So if you walked into a vape shop, yeah, there is a small little. And I've done this many times. I <laughs> I'm the bane of every every weed shop that I've ever visited, which I visited a number of them, and every vape shop I visited. I just go in and ask a million questions, never buy anything. And I'm sure they love you there. <laughs> they're like, here they're, comes that guy in the vest. They're, ama- <laughs> they're amazing about it. They're really sweet about it. And they, I'll exp- they'll explain to me, like, a lot of kids will come and they'll start and they'll just smoke this vape juice, yeah. which is kind of, it's just this juice that's kind of flavorful. And it feels to the 13-year-old like... I'm kind of acting like a 16-year-old. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, when somebody cool would, like, carry a pack of cigarettes around, you know? And I used to play quarters with water. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Before I could drink, I'm right. like, I want to play quarters and see exactly that I Exactly the same yeah. phenomenon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, and then you kind of graduate very quickly to weed and, and or, or, or nicotine. And again, the devices are effectively the same. The delivery method's the same. And you can do it in your room without anybody knowing it. Yeah. You know, it's that simple. So all of the smoke and mirrors that a kid would have to go through, I got to have a change of clothes in the garage and I got to make sure I'm sober and I need Visine and all this other stuff. It's much cleaner exercise Mm -hmm. now. So you've got to talk about it and you've kind of have to have a little bit of an open mind about it because your kids are seeing people smoke weed who seem perfectly fine, yeah. who are doing really, really well. So they can say like, oh yeah, well, this kid who you love so much and is doing so well and you want me to be more like her, she smokes weed too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Not only that, but I was just listening to an interview with Seth Rogen the other day and he's like, I'm at my, and I go, and I know Seth, Seth Rogen is like, you know, we think of him as someone who's always kind of smoked weed and everything, but he's like, I'm at my most creative. I'm at my calmest. You hear a lot of people who are using it medicinally who are like, this is the way that I feel most like myself. Like someone who maybe experienced a lot of ADHD when they were younger, it's like, oh, I figured out that weed helps me. So it goes back to that discussion of, yes, this can feel good. But here are the downfalls yes. here because the whole like it's bad, you could get arrested. It's just not going to fly mm-hmm. anymore. Nope. It's so not, you got to go with the demotivating thing. That's what you got to say. Yes. Right? So and the demotivating thing, um, I, I, I stand by this. I see this all the time. Um, a lot of a, a lot of people who use weed, and this is more young men than young women right now. And I imagine if we're sitting here a year from now, that will shift because everything's shifting. Everything is moving around. But um, weed is the most demotivating substance I have ever come across. And, um, and it's super numbing in the extreme. So if you're an occasional user, I can usually like work with that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but if you smoke every day, and I cannot tell you how many young people smoke every day, like early, late, smoke to sleep, um, a lot of these kids are numbing out depression, anxiety in particular, you know, like it, because it's, it's a, for certain people, it's a decent anxiety regulator, if I'm being honest, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but it also drains you of motivation, takes your personality away, makes you want to just, I mean, it's kind of stereotypic, hang out in the basement and chill and just Mm -hmm. sit there. And, um, the cautionary tale I tell, I can't remember if it's in the book or not, a guy came back to me after it's 10 years. in the book. It's in the book? Yes. Okay. Should I share it real quick? Sure, of course. So, so it was 10 years later. Um, brilliant guy. He, he did really well in high school. He crushed the ACT. 35. Yeah. And he had, by, by all rights, he was headed, he was going places. And he was an occasional weed smoker. And, um, and he and I kind of parted ways in, re, in a really good way. He came back to me 10 years later. So now he's 29, maybe 11. Um, he's gained a hundred pounds. He has been in his mom and dad's house in the basement effectively for a decade, uh, sneaking out for an occasional shift at Starbucks just to to make it through. And because they don't drug test, there's this big thing too. Right. Mm. Uh, and he, his cautionary tale to younger kids is like, don't, don't do this in excess. It will, it's, it won't kill you, 
but it will take your life. Mm. You know, that yeah. was his, that was his very brilliant point. Yeah. It will take your life away. It will, and it can take a decade or it can take two, but even giving up six months or, t- or a year, instead of like figuring out what's really going on with me, what am I medicating with this stuff? Yeah. Figure it out, you yeah. know? And, and this might feel like sophisticated language to use with a teenager, but it's not. You can talk about like, are you medicating something? I'll ask kids that directly now and they'll be like, yeah, probably. You they know? know that they language. They know that. Yep. That's, it's, it's so interesting because what you just said is so important for people to understand. Something you write about in the book is about how someone looks good on paper. It could be one of your kid's friends looks good on paper, even your own kid. Like they're doing all these things. And so this means they don't have any issues. I don't need to worry because I've checked all the boxes. And just like you, this just like your experience with your clients, my college students who, again, they are in college, they are doing well, many of them are very engaged in class, I would say, I I don't know if I, I'm thinking of the ones that I talk to the most, but about 50% of them use weed to go to sleep. Yes, this is a big phenomenon. This is their thing, and they'll say, you know, I, I try not to on Saturday, I try not to on Sunday, but during the week, it's what I need. And so this is, this is why sometimes we see our children be able, I mean, and there's so many layers of this, like, you know, you know, I know that you have also um, been one of the people who's helped with the movie Angst, yes. you know, screen and Todd and I have done that, too. And it's been screened. It's this movie about anxiety. And we've had discussions about it afterwards. And there will be kids who will stand up and ask questions and their parents are there and their kids are and the parents are shocked that their kid is asking a question. Yes. And they'll be like, but wait, you're doing well in school and you're in this activity and you're fine. And they're like, no, I'm I know I look good on paper, but I'm struggling. I am using things I shouldn't. I'm just us getting by. So how do you like, and we know from social networking parents who are like posting, Oh, I'm so proud. And look at how good my kid <laughs> oh, is. Yeah. And, and I sometimes rub my tumbles, not that they shouldn't be proud, nope. but I'm like, I just cross my fingers. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Right. Because, um, because if that's your, uh, narrative that you yes. want to put out there about your child, then anything short of that might feel like less than to them. Right. Um, and you bring up a good point about like parenting and weed. Uh, a lot of kids will tell me, well, my parents or some friends of mine, uh, they take Ambien or Lunesta or their, or Z-Quil or, you know, uh, drink before they go to bed. And I'm just smoking weed. Mm-hmm. And this is relatively speaking, this is pretty innocuous. Mm-hmm. So smart of me, right? Really, really brilliant of me. Um, but once you bring up the, what, what are we medicating here? That that provokes a lot of thought that becomes really therapeutic. And I think a lot of parents underestimate their ability to be really effective therapists Mm. in in their kids' lives. I really do. Um, Yeah, I think parents can be the best therapists, you know, like, um, because if you're there, like, talk to me, tell me about you and weed, you know, like we'll talk later about how I feel about it, whether there's going to be a consequence if you smoke it, how we're going to handle all that. But first tell me what the deal is. Like, why do you do it at all? Why did you start and what, what's going on? And I don't think I know the culture of this very well anymore. So tell me about that too. Like what's going on in your school, in your grade, because, um, to, to your point, uh, I went to a reunion not that long ago, thousand people in my class. And this kid who smoked weed, he came up to me, he goes, Duffy, uh, who do you remember smoking weed mm-hmm. uh, when we were in school? Out of a thousand, I named five guys. He goes, exactly, come with me. And we start walking around, he, we go to other people. Hey, Haney, how many, how many people smoked weed? He said, I don't know, five or six, name them. Mm-hmm. Was I one of them? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we knew now, the, the, that's how wildly the landscape has changed. You guys are right. Like that was in the margins a generation ago, way in the margins. It was like, those, those guys are doing drugs. Like, you know, we don't, I, I'm not one of those guys. Right. And, and they were identifiable and discernible. And, and we probably labeled them as like, you know, that's, that's the other side of the tracks. We don't want anything to do with that. Now that's probably your kid. That could very well be your kid. And so um, to just judge it based on this ancient uh, experience is not useful. It's not going to serve you. So learning about what the culture is now and looking at that whole issue with fresh eyes, especially now, because... If you the sweep of history would suggest that a decade from now, this is there are it's going to be like Starbucks to see a pot shop on a corner, right? Yes. And so um, we want to 
be a part of that and and understand it wholly so that we can guide our kids through this a little bit or walk with them at the very least through what is a little disorienting to them too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And be careful who you put on a pedestal, like meaning if, if it be your own kids or anybody else, because like, and, and Todd, you'll know what I'm talking about here. And, and we don't, we're not worried about this kid, but there's a kid that you always talk about that you're so impressed and so amazing. Yeah. And she's so awesome. Yeah. And I'm always like, and I think she is, yeah. but I'm always like, chill like our kid because you're like talking about this person as if they're different than other kids mm. when really if you knew every kid's sure. story and if you watch them do what they excel yeah. at you'd be impressed too right. and i don't want our kids to think i'm impressed with this yeah. but and, and the reason i'm saying that is sometimes the person we put it on the pedestal is the one who is having to yeah, well, medicate looks could be really and deceiving. they can be very sure, yeah. deceived, especially the kids who feel like they're only worthy if they're excelling at a certain level, mm -hmm. which is something else that, you know, you talk about. Oh, I book. worry about those kids Me a too. lot, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's a whole different issue. You almost want the vibe. Julie and I stumbled upon this early, um, in, in her family. I hope I'm not oversharing here. There was a little bit of like, you know, Oh, if you guys could be more like the Johnsons, you know what I mean? Right. And we had a little bit of that in my family growing up too. Um, so every once in a while, George will report like, you know, hey, Andrew got a got a job at, you know, KPMG. And we'll be like, oh, if only you were more like Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Like we can make light <laughs> right, of that. Right, right. <laughs> and also like recognize that when our kids come home and they tell us the opposite, like, oh, this kid, you know, they're the ones who got the job, but then now they're struggling here to normalize that. Yes. Because yes. what I can't stand, and I think I grew up with this too. This was very much, a, I think this is an 80s, maybe Gen X thing. It, and, you know, keeping up with the Joneses will always be around, but that looking out and being like, oh, their kid has problems. And I want to be like, I, when I drive around, you know, and I should, this sounds bad, but because I work in this community, there's a lot of things I know yeah. and I know you do too. John. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so when my girls are very like, look at that, I'd be happy if I don't, it's not that I tell them a story. I just say, you know, sometimes things don't always appear the way that you, you know, they don't always show up the way you think it is. Like, I'm just trying to basically, without giving them the details, let them know that sometimes on the outside, it looks a certain way, but everyone struggles on the inside yeah. and that we need to be empathetic with ourselves and with them. Like there's not like, oh, I want to take them down. It's we're all struggling. That's the point. You know, I don't know the kid in therapy, outside of therapy, who isn't struggling with something. I don't know the adult who isn't struggling with something. When I was a kid, our comparison point uh, was often like, you know, um, we had some of the, my, my buddies and I, we, we were kind of on the wrong side of the tracks if you can be in Park Ridge, Illinois. <laughs> um, and so we would envy these people who had these houses on the north side. We so, were on the yeah. south side, you know. Um, and now the comparison points that kids have, you talk about identity traffic. It's not just like, oh, they have a nicer house. It's like everything on Instagram. Oh my God, she got 1,200 likes. I got I got 300. I'm a loser, you know, like, or on Snapchat. Well, the big response to that meme, you know, like I clearly don't have it or people aren't interested in me or people don't like me. There are, kids now have 50 different new ways to evaluate their self-esteem in a negative way. And the most brilliant, popular kids, the most envied kids I know are insecure mm. about how they present Absolutely. out there. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, one, just a real quick side note is one thing, um, one app that my daughter has really liked has been Visco. Yeah. Because there's less. What's there, Visco? There, it's more of like an artsy photography site where okay. you're still posting pictures and of course, people want it to be liked. It's not that it's so different, but you can't see it unless you go searching for who likes it. Right. Meaning the Visco page, it's just the pictures. Oh, so, so it doesn't have how many thumbs up or likes. You can look anything. for it. You can click on it. You right. have to do a bunch of steps. But if you're just looking at someone's page, it gives you an impression of them. Now, again, it's probably created. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get too far where I'm like, this is good. This is bad. It still is whole, you know, there's, I hear now that there's certain like Visco girls and yes. Visco, like Visco's become kind of like a thing or a Visco room or a Visco. So I, it's, it's taking on a life of its own. But my point is, is that I think even this generation is like, it's a relief sometimes yeah. to go on Visco and just enjoy it rather than look at the likes. They're not so prominent. 
definitely. Um, it's, it's part of what Instagram is trying to do, I think, right now is to m mirror Visco a little bit. And they're talking about taking the likes away or making them a, just a little bit of a treasure hunt to look through. And kids are dis are smart about like protecting their well-being in a way because like with Visco, I work with kids who will say, I will just look at the art or I will just look at the photo. Yes. I will not dig in because I know that's going to play a number on me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I know a lot of adults who aren't so discerning, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, before we move off of weed, there's just one last thing. Like the fact that it's going to be legal in Illinois next year, right? January. Yep. Yeah. January 1st. I just kind of like need to figure out my attitude towards it because I totally had the, you know, when I I was in high school, I wrestled, I drank, I would never smoke weed. Gateway drug. Anybody. <laughs> That's what we always Anybody who's in sports, for the most part, that we all drank and nobody smoked weed. And now the world has shifted and I just need to kind of do my own work and figure out what is it that I think about this drug. And I still haven't arrived there yet. And, and that's what I want parents to do is exactly, I, I think a lot of parents are right where you are, Todd, yeah. and unsure of what to think or pretty sure they know what they think and can't believe this is where we are, right? <laughs> you know, this is, this is a terrible gateway drug, right? This leads to heroin or something. Right. And yet, why is everybody so cavalier yeah, about it? You right. know what I mean? Like, why are these states like legalizing this thing? I remember being bad for you yeah. and it's way more potent and I'm aware of that, you know, like, so I think it's important to evaluate and reevaluate, like, how do I feel about this? Yeah. Because this is about to become a very mainstream thing, and um, it's hard. You got to re, you got to unravel. You got to know decades the, the history. Of, yeah, um, of my conditioning. Yes, absolutely. And also know like your conditioning is one thing, but also understand the history of weed and how we got to calling it. We ended up calling it the worst thing ever, and it became a you know. And again, not that it, this is again the nuanced thing. This is so hard to like make black and white because. It, it isn't great for you, but it also isn't maybe what we were told right, growing exactly. up. So it's like, how well, do you find that edibles place? and everything. It's oh, yeah. just so, everything is so foreign to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, when so, I was a kid, it was a bowl and a joint, and that's all I knew. Or, yeah, a bong. And now it's just all these different ways. So I think there's research you can do. You can learn a lot like by reading studies and stuff like that. The best research you can do is to take, to sit down with a 17-year-old mm -hmm. and ask them like, tell me about the culture of weed. I don't know anything about it right yeah. now. You know, like I know something about the history. I know what it was like when I was a kid. I don't know what it's like for you. Yeah. And it, 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 it is a revelation to, to hear the way they talk about it. Um, and it's, it's refreshing in a way because it's a fresh take on something you thought you understood wholly. Um, and you might have some wisdom to lend there, mm -hmm. but it, like with a lot of things we talk about here, um, it, it, a lot of it has to do with learning from them how things are now because the climate and the culture is so different. And we as parents or just as a generation up, we don't know what it's like. Yeah. So we see, we can see kind of the what, what's happening from a legislative point of view. We know that there are weed shops here and there. You know, we were in Switzerland um, a couple weeks ago and um, in uh, Zurich, there are weed shops all over the place. And, and yet, and it, you can see a few people smoking here and there, but it feels super relaxed and casual. Um, kind of like a Starbucks and stuff a like, lot yeah. like a Starbucks. Yeah. And, um, and at one point George turned to me and he said, so much for weed being the breakdown of society or whatever, yeah. whatever the scare tactics are. It's not that he said, it's not great, but it's not that either. Yeah. So you're right, Kathy, it's a very nuanced thing. But I think it's important that we recognize it's different mm -hmm. because there's no dialogue if you don't recognize that, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, no, I know what it is. I, you know, it becomes this kind of like a lot of like political dialogue. Yeah, it becomes this, I'm right, you're wrong, Divisive. and I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig in more deeply. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna forbid it because I know it's a bad thing. You know, and I see this dialogue take place Ooh. all the time in my office. Yeah. And and then the kid digs in deeper and says, you know, like, well, you drink all the time and I can show you actual data that says that's worse for you. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, screw you, Yeah. you know? And then all of a sudden you have this divide and there's no dialogue right. taking place. And all, all you really want is the dialogue because just like we're working it through and trying to figure it out, so are the kids. Like they, they, they don't know exactly how to feel about it. They know that there are people doing more of it than there used to be. They know there are all these delivery systems, the edibles and the wax and the and just smoking blunts and bongs and all this stuff. They know it's all out there, but what the implication is for them, 
you know, they don't necessarily know yeah. that. And again, it's, you know, Todd and I do sex talks a lot, you know, for parents. And it's like one of the most important parts of having these conversations is so they know they can go to their peers because they will. But a lot of times you're getting really poor information from them. So can they also come to you to have this kind of nuanced discussion where it's not right or wrong, but here's what I heard or what do you think about this? Like, and I know it sounds really strange to parents to be like, I'm going to talk to my kids about weed, about the good and the bad. Right. It's like, well, if you don't, they're just going to talk to someone else who is their age, who doesn't have any more information than they do, and especially with drugs and sex, they're it, limited. Like yep. there's a there's a ceiling there where they don't have a lot of information. And so, Todd, can I go to a different thing? Cool. Okay. So, uh, John, one of the things you touch on in this book is about, and it's something that's super important to me and hard to talk about with parents is. Um, labels and diagnoses mm -hmm. because I, I laughed out loud um, at one of your the stories in here where a, a lot of times the diagnoses that our kids are given they carry it as if it is them and don't you understand for example one of you know one of your clients who wouldn't I shouldn't laugh I'm not laughing at the child I'm laughing at how it's become so normalized where they're like you're like well tell me why you're having a problem going to school and they're like well I have school refusal. That's what I have. That's my diagnosis. So it's almost like we are giving them these words to say, you are incapable of doing these things. Yep. And this is, again, just like every other discussion we've had here, is nuanced because I am a therapist. I understand why labels are important. Let me say that again. I understand why a diagnosis is essential so we understand ourselves better, we get what we need, we don't feel alone. A lot of it is just knowing we're not the only one, Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Right? Yeah, so for sure. Please, please join us in this middle in between space as we talk about this. This is not a good or bad, but like, what tell you know, like this story right here. Like, do you see things like this all the time where kids are like, "This is just me." Yes. Um, okay. So you know, and there's a lot of like, and a lot of this comes from parents. Like, you know, they'll lead with, you know, uh, let me give you some background. Um, he has ADHD. Right. Yeah, it's very First bad. Thing. You right. know, like uh, <laughs> um, he's been struggling since second right. grade. We've tried this drug, this drug, this drug, this drug. Right. Oh, he's a really nice kid. You know, like right. so we, we lead with something that's diagnostic and we're effectively in in a cavalier way, in a, in a way you can tell, oh, this kid's heard this about himself mm -hmm. a thousand times. Right. This is the, so how could he not own this mm -hmm. as, you know, oh, I must be fundamentally incapable somehow. So there's something different about like, okay, so you, you've got ADHD. L let's look at what that means. You know what I mean? So you you struggle with attention sometimes or th this hyperactive uh, element of your personality, which is something I love about you. Like, you know, most any diagnosis suggests something really remarkable about us, right? You know, like, um, and so it's important to point out like, this isn't, limiting or awful. It's nothing we can't mitigate and manage because there are treatment plans for this stuff, right? So uh, agreed, like diagnoses are important. Treatment plans are important. Medication at times is important, but it's also important to put it all in context because your child will only hear, oh, um, there's something wrong with me that requires pills and stuff. You know, like this is a big deal, obviously, right? And it affects how I perform. So there's this belief like, I'm less than because not everybody is doing this. So we need to round out our messaging with our kids. Like, you know, oh yeah, you, you, you have this thing. Here's why, here's why this is going to be a struggle and we're going to have to work through this together. Here's what's awesome about that. You know, like be, you, you like to attend to 50 different things at once. You've got this really dynamic personality and, um, and that is going to work for you in the long run because you're going to find a way to manage that in your world and you're going to be a multitasker right now it's kind of difficult. So we're just going to, we're going to forward through this, these years together and we'll figure out the medication stuff, but I want your input because it's your body. You're the one who's feeling that. And I, an ADHD or depression or anxiety or whatever presents different for everybody. So I need to hear from you. What's it like for you? Because, you know, like those are not just, it, it's not like some medical diagnoses where like, you know, there's this, there's this lesion or this tumor there. And, you know, and, and so the doctor knows exactly what to do about that because he or she has dealt with that a hundred times before. Depression, every time I work with depression, it's different. You know, every time I work with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, it's different. So 
that that's where the labeling becomes a little bit of a problem is if it's kind of like, this is your thing. This is who you are. So this is just going to be hard for you, honey. You know what I mean? Like this is just going to be a struggle uh, and a slog, you know, like we do not want our kids to carry that, those messages. There's enough stuff in the world telling them that we want to tell them this, this is nuanced and varied and there's some struggles here and there's some good stuff about this and we're going to figure it out. Exactly. Cause like in our generation, it was, we didn't talk about it or we didn't have the diagnosis yet. You know, we didn't have the tools to kind of, you know, figure out what was going on or we just avoided it. And so then we had to kind of grow up and like relearn ourselves. Like I, I had to reframe what I would now call anxiety that I experienced as a kid, like, you know, certain behaviors or like fears that I had. And I'm like, wow, I just felt the world a lot. I was yeah. just a really empathic, like sensitive, and I'm meaning sensitive in the most positive way. Like I felt people. Yeah. And so now I look at myself as a kid, I'm like, poor Kathy. You know what I mean? Like she was not, not I feel sorry for her necessarily, but she thought there was something wrong with her, but really she could feel and look what I get to do for a living, right? Yes. So now we have this opportunity with our kids to do exactly what you said, John, which is let's not have a secret about it. Good. But that's, let's not take the label and say, you're not normal. Right. There's something wrong. It's you, these are things where they can be challenging at this age for this and this, but you also have the opportunity to feel, or you think differently. You see differently. You are going to be a leader here. You, and so then our kids don't walk around going, it, living in a deficit. Absolutely. They, and the thing is, is every kid has something. Yes. Every kid every has kid, something. Right. The, the, the book of, um, of mental disorders, the year I was born, so big. the DSM came out and it was, it was a pamphlet totally. and, and, and homosexuality was the number one no. disorder in the book, right? Now it's bigger than a Bible. Right. And if we're not all in there five times, <laughs> you're not, you're not being honest with yourself. <laughs> and so, right. Everybody is struggling something with something. Everyone probably carries some emotional diagnosis. Um, and that's fine in a way that has to be fine. One cool thing that kids are kind of organically doing is creating these kind of de facto online support groups for one another. Mm. Again, it's nuanced because uh, I think that's so cool that they have so much empathy for one another and they realize, oh, there's a tool we can meet on this thing. Without any guidance from any adult anywhere, we'll meet on this thing. And, you know, if somebody's having a hard time, let us know and we'll we'll weigh in. You know, how cool is that? Um we also don't want the well-being of other kids in our kids' hands or vice versa. So, you know, there's everything we're talking about has some nuance to it. There's very little black and white here. Exactly. And on that note, because you're, you know, is that remembering that you're a whole human being and every aspect to you is a piece. If it, you know, we were talking about identity or, you know, sexual identity, or maybe we've been traumatized, or maybe we have a, you know, a, a diagnosis, that's just a part of you. Like a lot of times we, like you said, a parent leads with a thing. This is all of who they are. When really the way I see kids or adults for that matter, we're all these many different variables coming together. And some might be a little more extraordinary than others or challenging, but we're so much more than this word. And, and again, even saying it sounds so cliche, doesn't it? But the way I visualize it is when a kid comes to me with an issue or, you know, they're, they're struggling with their identity or they're figuring out something different about themselves. It's like, yeah, we, this needs to be work through, but you're also A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yes. Like you're all these things. Yeah. So don't get too hung up on, I have been traumatized and this is it. Right. This is, this may end up benefiting. I mean, it's never something you want, but how can we use this so you can heal? And then you can, like you said, help others not necessarily take their lives in your hands. It's so hard to talk about all <laughs> this. Is. You really have to have so many layers. You gotta thread needles you here. Do. And uh, yes, yes. And every situation's a little different. It is. Yes. There is no absolute. Sorry, Tag. Well, on. no, and I just think that whenever you um it's kind of what you're saying, sweetie. It's just whenever you use a word to encapsulate a person, um obviously that that doesn't encapsulate any one person, any label, any trauma. And I think people use it as an excuse. And I think what we're trying to say is it's, that's not right. Well, it, it can go either way. It can be, I got a 35 and so I am a smart person. I'm brilliant. Everybody looks at me this way. And so it becomes your soul identity. And then the vice versa of something that maybe our society deems as negative, which really isn't that negative. It's just different. 
you know, and so I think I know what you're saying. I think what I'm saying is if I was coaching a kid or a man and said, oh, I can't do that because I have ADHD or if I, I'm like, no, you can do you can do a lot more than you think you can. And I, I say, you know, because, you know, that's our ego just trying to take the path of least resistance into anything. And I'm like, when I'm in a good place, I'm like, no, I'll, I, I could do this. And I don't know. I just, I just find that labels are excuses, in, including myself. I hold myself in this as well. It's an uh, excuse not to take responsibility. Well, it can be. But again, we got to be so careful. I know, I know. And That's why reason, you guys are the doctors I know, and all that. But, reason, but the reason why I'm like, you got to be so careful is because a label can also be freedom. Heart, right. It can also be, right. I've been searching, I've been blaming, I've been suicidal, I've been, and now I understand. Yes. So we have to be careful about saying we're going to hide behind a label. Mm. But then everything is a pendulum, right? Mm. Sometimes someone gets a diagnosis and they're like, this is all of who I am. Yes. I yes. Mean, we could we could take this another 30 minutes of this back and right. forth. So to that end, we're an hour and 37 Jeez. minutes in. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> but I, I have asked most of the questions. Is there something... I mean, I we haven't talked about sex. We haven't talked about video games. Well, why don't you... I think video games is... I mean, sex is too, but we tend to talk about sex a lot on this show, like sex ed. So video games, I feel like Duffy is more of an expert on this than we are. All right. So this is from your book, John. The yep. American Psychiatric Association is in the process of allowing some form of video game addiction into the next edition, which I didn't know. Over the years, I admit I've balked at the use of addiction model and something external uh, for something external like a video game. And um, you go on to say in your book... That it's here to stay. These these game makers are experts, brilliant at seducing anybody yeah. to keep to stay there. That's mm-hmm. how they. And um, my kind of lighthearted, silly thing I thought about when I was reading that this morning is um, I thought of when I was a little kid and I would always watch the sports channel two, channel five, channel seven, and like Johnny Morris would be like interviewing the opposing coach. And uh, they talked about Walter Payton, and like you know, you can't, you can't contain, uh, you can't stop Walter Payton. No, you can only hope to contain him. Yeah, that's what I thought about when it came to video games. <laughs> that's pretty good, Todd. I like right? that a lot. Yeah, good like, analogy. Yeah, um, right. Uh, to to well, listen, it, it kind of works like a lot of things. To just ban it and say this is never going to happen—that is folly. Because mm-hmm. you can say. We're going to take all the video game consoles out of the house. If you think your child or son or daughter isn't more clever mm. than to work around that, yeah, there, there's a million ways around that. I sure. can download something on the phone. I yeah. can, you know, put something on my computer that you think I'm doing my homework on. You know, like uh, my best friend next door has video games in the basement. There's, you know, an Xbox and ten other consoles. Yeah. Um, they're here to stay. Uh, it's important to take a moment. And sit with your kids and play them. Uh, I, I I have never been a gamer. I, I it just it's not something that interests me. Yeah. Um, but to sit down with a kid and and play a game with them, you realize oh very quickly, like within moments, it's like oh I get it. Like I feel the you can feel the adrenaline. Yeah. Of, you know, like especially like first person shooter games, which most of the biggest draws are. You know, it's me. I'm looking down the scope of a rifle sure. most of the time, and you know, and I'm, and I'm my heart's racing, and I'm looking for the guy. I gotta get yeah. the bad guys um, or everybody. I gotta in Fortnite. I don't know if you know that this is the most popular game sure. right yes. now. And in Fortnite, it, you land on an island and you have to kill everybody else. Yeah. There's a hundred people on the island, including you, and your goal is to kill all of them. And um, they're really good somehow. Uh, the game makers at making you one of the last. 10 mm. or 5. Interesting. Curiously. Yeah. And so it almost works like the casino where it's like, oh man, I was so close that time. I am back in. Yeah. And and a lot of games um, from a couple of years ago, you work your way up, you level up, and it takes a long time. It might take you a month, six weeks to get through the game. And then you're ready to move on to the next sure. game. And they have that next game in the hopper. With Fortnite and some other games that are coming out now, they realize, oh, we want to do we want to do these half hour, forty five minute hits because yeah. they're going to keep you engaged, and right. you're going to even before dinner, one more, just let me do one more, and that's going to take forever and yeah. create tension in the house, right. right? So they're incredibly engaging, they're incredibly sophisticated, they're pretty fun, mm-hmm. um, and so you can't blame your kid for really enjoying them. Also, unlike games when we were kids. Uh, in all likelihood, if you 
follow, watch your kid play a game. He or she is wearing headsets like we are now with microphones attached, and they're laughing and talking with people that they know in Mm. the neighborhood. So this is part of their social life. Mm. And we can say, no, they should be sitting with people and face-to-face and making eye contact. And they do a lot of that, but this is also part of it for them, you know, and, and it's a really enjoyable part. So I'm not that interested in trying to fight the battle of like, let's eradicate video games. It's never going to happen, right. first of all. And it's not all bad. So there's the social component. There's an argument that there's a little bit of a hand-eye component that, that you know, is, you know, is a little, is not the worst thing for brain development. I think you play very few games to really right. accrue that, <laughs> um, to be honest. To reach, um, right? Right, right, right. And isn't there like scholarships and stuff out there for... So here, here's, the, here's the tricky part is there are, like in everything else in life we're talking about, there are celebrities. So if you, if, for those of you parents who want to know who the rock stars are, there's a guy named Ninja, um, likable guy, mid-20s, who... Everybody knows makes millions of dollars playing video games for 12 hours a day. And so I cannot tell you how many kids are like, I'm the next ninja. I am going to, I know how to do that. I'm pretty good. I think I know some tricks. I'm going to be the next ninja. And in a way, I kind of admire the enthusiasm that is underneath that. So there's this press, I think, if you're the parent of that kid, to tell them, nope, that's highly unlikely. It's not going to happen. Find, you know, go major in business and find something that's you know normal. Yeah. Do something normal. Um, but there is something in the tenacity and in the I want to build a skill that if you recognize that in your child, you think like, okay, where else can we use that? So I, I like the idea of like, you know, Okay, so you're going to treat so – I work with this kid now, and, um, and he's struggling. Uh, he struggles consistently with math, had to take math over the summer. And the way we looked at it was, all right, math is a video game. Your teacher is the designer, and your, your goal is to win. Yeah. Problem by problem by problem, you're leveling up, and your goal is to beat the teacher. He's trying to trick you every step of the way <laughs> wow. and your and your goal is to win mm-hmm. and so sometimes you can reframe other elements of life that, that it, so that they use those skills but if you don't understand what's going on there and you think like oh gosh he's just wasting his time sitting down there hour after hour that's not exactly what's happening that right. might have been what was happening you know when I was playing pong mm-hmm. when I was a kid but now kids have a lot going on when they're playing video games it's social and it's um and some kids don't feel good about themselves in any other mm. significant way than I'm good at this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you were just talking about Ninja. Uh, I kind of I got schooled by my college students last semester. Three of them did uh, presentations at the end of the semester about video games, and they really had to kind of convince me that this was relevant to social work. Okay, but they're like, <laughs> you know, this is, you know, we're going to do this. And not only can you be Ninja, but there's all these other sites, YouTube channels, where you play and people just send you money. Okay. I don't know what they're called. There's a word for it where like you're playing the game, kind of like our girls used to watch people play Minecraft. Mm-hmm. They would build, like our girls weren't Minecrafting. They were watching other people do Minecraft. Sure. Yeah. So you basically watch a YouTube channel of a kid or an adult. Some of these people are in their thirties mm-hmm. playing this video game and you can send them money. So like he showed me, he showed some videos to our class of these you know, guys playing the game. And then all of a sudden someone would send $10,000 and they would just be like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like in real time. So think about all those different hits you're getting. Mm -hmm. Watching someone play something that you love to play, watching the emotion of them getting money, kind of like someone getting a, hitting the lottery Mm -hmm. or something. And then thinking I could do that. So Mm -hmm. I could be Ninja, which is Walter Payton. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or I could be just a player, a bench player that occasionally gets out there and makes a few thousand bucks. It's kind of like... It is a world of, and I, I'm putting this in air quotes, work mm-hmm. that some people do, right, John? Yes. So um, to dismiss it as a whole is folly because w- one of these channels is called GameTube and there's hundreds of them. And and you're right. So kids spend a lot of time, gamers, 
mostly, but not exclusively. Some kids just like to watch somebody play mm -hmm. a game and talk about it, talk it through. And, um, and it's pretty engaging. Like the people who do this and do well, they're really likable and they're explaining like, you know, okay, so what normally you want to do is you're going to spin around this corner and, you know, and you're just going to get shot right away. So what you want to do is you want to pause here, Watch, 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 wait. Okay, now you go. Tutorial. Super fun, right? I mean, you know, it's a complete tutorial. And the income, you're right, Kathy. I've seen a couple times where the income comes in right away. There's a little bit of gratitude and, you know, and, and it's really sweet. And when you see that and you're told, you know, video games are no good and you can't, you, nobody's ever going to make any money at this. And you're like, well, I know you're wrong, dad. I know you're <laughs> wrong because I watch it all day right. long. And so again, it's that monitoring, that discussion about, yeah, they're not all bad and it can be fun and you can be good, but we need, it's like the old school, we need a plan B, yeah. you know, like there needs to be this and also these other things and also the brain development part, because you already talked about that with alcohol and weed, but you know, watching a screen all day long does affect your brain Absolutely. negatively. It, there is an addiction quality. So all of these discussions, it's really kind of nice because this time with you, this almost two hours with you, you're, we're seeing how they all overlap. Absolutely. And those first four things that you read, Todd, at the beginning, which you may want to read again before sure. we get up, they really are the key components to all of these yes, issues. Absolutely. So it ties everything together. So read them again. And, and um, can I throw one more sure. thought up? Um, if your child shows passion for anything, don't dismiss that. And that can be weed. That can be, you know, <laughs> honestly, and kids do. Kids are passionate about weed. And kids are talking about like, this is going to be the business of the future. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're right yeah. to some extent, right? Um, or video games or it's stuff that you think like, oh, this is ridiculous. Or yeah. Instagram or, you know, whatever. Um, pay attention. Ask them. Talk to them about it. Look at their feed. You know, like learn what the deal is, why they... Because it's not just to test you, it's because they want you know they want you to know, and it's important that you know yeah. kind of like why are you passionate about this, and if you know the why, it'll make sense to you way more than just thinking yeah. this is ridiculous. Why are you wasting your time? Right. You Don't know be I mean? so You're dismissive. In the gap, right. right? Yeah, right. That's good. Um, okay, so the four uh, commandments, along with the big, the fifth one is, uh, don't lecture, uh, emotional bank account. Open-ended questions, stay informed, and then last but not least, maintain your precious connection with your child always. So some of the topics we didn't get to, uh, relationships, sex, toxic masculinity, suicide, vibe in the home, amongst many other things. Oh, it's so good. Everybody has to go get this book. So yeah, the name of the book is Parenting the New Teen in the Age of Anxiety, A Complete Guide to Your Child's Stressed, Depressed, Expanded, Amazing Adolescence by Dr. John Duffy. A few other quick things. Um, I haven't asked you this yet, John, but we, have so we do something called Team Zen. It's a bunch of people that like the podcast that are on our team and they pay 25 bucks a month and they listen to these private podcasts and all that. And sometimes we have experts that come on. You don't have to leave your house. You just need to be in front of your laptop. Would you mind being spending an hour with our team? Are you kidding? Okay, good. <laughs> We've kind of been like on Team Zen. We're like, we're going to try and get Duffy. Yeah. We're like, we're going to ask him God. on the podcast. Yes. Um, honored. Seriously, seriously honored. And I've been waiting. Yes. So that'll be good. I'm sure you'll get Because there's even a micro community within Team Zen specifically about teenagers. So we have 100 people on the team and there's like 15 of them uh, that are specific to how do we handle these teenagers. Awesome. Um, sweetie, is this guy going to be a part of something yeah, special? Yeah, so... Um, so everybody, our conference that is in 2020, uh, February 28th, 29th, the Leap Year Weekend. Um, we have when this airs, well, we have September made the announcement. 10th is when this is. You told me that you wanted this to come out. That'd be great. So September 10th. So we will we'll be on the verge. So don't make the big announcement now. Okay. So we don't we, know. Well, we're making part of the big announcement, which is that uh, Dr. John Duffy is one of our uh, prominent speakers, and he is going to be answering questions and talking about. Actually, John, you get to talk about whatever you want. No, we're no, not no. Gonna direct I already, you. I, I already, I already know what John's going to talk. What's he? What? Todd's very directive about He's this. He's gonna. We're gonna give him ten or fifteen minutes to just talk about his book, and then we're just gonna do. It's gonna be Q and A. Are you? How do you feel about that? Is that I okay? I love that. Okay, yes. I like yeah. that too. Yeah. I prefer that to yeah. a lecture. Meaning, I prefer it when people ask me something that's really going on because then it, you can get into all these nuanced places. But we, you're, you're our speaker, so I want you to have autonomy. No, I love that. I, I want to make. You. I, I think people's needs get met better if they're. You know, sometimes I will guess what an audience wants. Totally. And then when the questions come up, I'm like, 
Oh man, I haven't been talking about that at all. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like it's sometimes the people putting on whatever activity or show or what or conference, they'll say, This is what they want. So you're going in that direction. Really, they don't want that at all. Right, yeah, they right, want right. more specifics. So um Dr. Duffy will be with us for our conference and we'll talk more about that um and promote that in the next couple of weeks. So um, excited. Yes. Yeah. And uh February 28th, 29th, and you can go to our homepage. I think we'll have the new conference stuff up yep. by the time the show's up. And you can just go to zenparentingradio.com. Hopefully. Last but not least, um, John's favorite uh, singer-songwriter is a guy by the name of Bruce Springsteen. New kid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> new kid. <laughs> and I, I queued up this clip. I usually like to play Trapped live, but I'm not going to do that this time. Oh. Um, because it's a very special day. So... So, <laughs> have you ever heard him sing this song? Oh yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, I've never. I didn't know he had a birthday song. Did you, sweetie? I didn't. I didn't. I I don't know the boss the way John does. It's nobody knows the boss the way John does. <laughs> I I think I'm gonna stand by that. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, happy birthday, my brother. I love you. I'm so glad that you're in our life, and I'm just so glad that we can go on this journey together. Um, me too. I'm so grateful for the two of you. Best birthday ever. Seriously. Aww. Thank you. What Thank you, John. All right. See you guys next week. Adios. In the hollow of evening, as you lay your Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to Zen Parenting so you never miss an episode and feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. And while you're there, subscribe to our other podcast, Pop Culturing. Pop Culturing is a Generation X viewpoint on movies, TV, with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. We've already done Dead Poet Society, Say Anything, Sex in the City, Swingers, Bridesmaids, Stand By Me, a whole bunch of it. Basically, it was the podcast we were searching for, so we decided to create it. And it's time to get your tickets for the Zen Parenting Conference 2020. I got my tickets. The Chicago Tribune called it Lollapalooza for Parents. Parentapalooza. Yes. Zen Parenting Conference is like Lollapalooza for Parents. Um, so this year, we have women and girls leadership expert, Rachel Simmons. Can't wait. And we also have healthy masculinity expert and activist, Tony Porter. I love this man. I know. Todd and I love these two, and we love them so much that not only are they going to be keynotes, but they're also going to be doing midday breakouts. breakouts. So you can get some time with these two experts. This conference is for parents and teenagers, and if you don't have a teenager, but you have a five-year-old, they'll get to be teenagers, so... This conference is for you. And for educators and for therapists and for counselors and anybody who works with families or teens. And not just uh, moms. I want the dads. And that's why we're doing that's what we're doing this year is we're focusing on gender, we're focusing on parenting, and we're focusing on leadership. And the theme for this year is there's more to the story. There is. There's more to all of these things than we realize. Um, and pre-conference workshop and Dr. John Duffy. Don't forget about that. Dr. John Duffy is going to be talking about his new book, Parenting the Teen in the Age of Anxiety. And then Todd and I are going to be giving a sex talk to parents and teens. Let's talk about these difficult things that we have such a hard time bringing up so we can support our kids and so our kids feel validated and heard. And we have a pre-conference for moms. And we have a pre-conference workshop for dads. And on Saturday, we have a panel that is going to focus on transgender and on non-binary identification because we are talking about gender, but gender is not what we used to think of it as. That's right. It's not just women and men. There's much in between. So we are going to be discussing that, and everyone's going to be leaving this conference with an expanded view of ourselves and others. You're going to leave inspired with tools in the toolbox. Uh, mark your calendars, October 25th through the 27th. Kathy and I are going to be teaching at 1440 Multiversity in the California Redwoods near Santa Cruz. 
Uh, if you're interested, just go to our website, click on events. It's going to be off the hook. And then we also have this thing called Teams M, which we talk about every week. Zero pressure, 100% support. Uh, we have two Zen Talks a month. You get an opportunity to ask us questions live. We have experts that we bring on to the Zen Talks. There's 60 plus podcasts that are not available to anybody else other than Team Zen members. There's a micro community, Facebook page, discount off of everything we offer, and it's 25 bucks a month, so you can't beat it. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you are there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. So this fall and this spring, Kathy and I are offering a talk. It's called Sex Education for the 21st Century. If you're interested, just go to our website and you can find out more. Uh, so two things for guys. I do one-on-one coaching, so if you're interested, guys, go to toddadamscoaching.com for a session is free. We can do it virtually or in person. And don't forget about the Tribe Men's Group. Uh, We have uh, virtual meetings. We have in-person meetings. We do an annual retreat. And all we're trying to do is connect men in an authentic way so that we live longer, more fulfilling lives. And if you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Finally, I want to give special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net. Keep on trucking.